Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in shown honour. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Um, if, you, if it's your first time here, uh, let me introduce myself. My name is Ben. I'm the assistant minister here. Um, and I'm going to start off by um, admitting that uh, we're quite partial to a Friday night dance party in our house. So we crank up the stereo. Uh, I pull out a few dad dancing moves. Uh, the kids love uh, putting a nappy on their head like a hat for some reason and running around in circles. And my wife, Sophie, brings the decent dance moves. Some of our favorite uh, dance tracks, uh, that's just how ministers let their hair down these days. Um, But uh, some of our favorite dance tracks uh, are from a band called Clean Bandit, who you might have heard of. Uh, And one of their biggest hits is called Real Love. Uh, And the lyrics are all about the joy of finding real love. And they describe real love as uh, something we search for, uh, something that's a rarity something to be celebrated when we finally find it. And our passage today is all about real love uh, within the church family, not romantic love, real love within the church family and showing that to one another. And in some ways, those lyrics are true uh, in that sense too, aren't they? Uh, Real love can be rare, but it's such a joy when we find it, when we see it in practice. And if we're going to live it out amongst us here at St. Joseph's, then we need to know what it actually looks like. And that's the question that Paul answers here in this passage. What does real love look like? On first reading uh, these verses, it can seem like Paul's just thrown out a random bunch of commands. Uh, That was what I thought when I first read it. But as we look more closely... Uh, we see that each command uh, gives us an ingredient in the recipe for real love. Okay, that sounds a bit cheesy. Uh, But uh, these are the building blocks uh, for real love. Uh, And as we put them together, uh, what we see, what we build with those blocks uh, is something absolutely joyful and beautiful. Uh, But it is a battle to put it into practice. Uh, So let's pray before we start. James writes, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Father God, uh, we pray that we would hear your word clearly this morning. Uh, Please help me to preach it faithfully. And we pray that you'd help us to put it into practice, to be doers of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, so far uh, in the book of Romans, uh, all the references to love have been to the the love of God himself. But now Paul shows us that love is to shape our relationships to one another as we follow the God of love. Uh, This week, uh, we're going to see that love lived out amongst the church family. uh, And then next week, we'll be thinking about that love uh, shown to those outside the church family. And Paul starts with a statement about the quality of our love uh, in the church. Do you see that in verse 1? Have a look. 
He says, let love be genuine. So our first building block, real love is genuine and sincere. Our love is not to be fake. Uh, we call to this again and again in the New Testament. Uh, we read uh, these verses. Uh, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Now, this is not optional as a Christian. Real love is right at the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And it's to be a genuine, sincere, earnest love. The original uh, word in the Greek for genuine uh, means unhypocritical. Uh, it's saying uh, we're not to put on a face. Uh, imagine we've, we've all done that where we, uh, we nod and smile nicely uh, to someone when inside where we're absolutely seething. I'm sure we could all relate to that. But our love is not to be a, a veneer. Uh, someone was telling me the other day that uh, they, uh, they lost their gold wedding ring and uh, decided to replace it with a, um, a cheaper version, with a, a gold veneer on the outside. But after a while, uh, the gold started to rub off and, and to show the cheaper metal underneath. And our love in the church family is not to be a, a veneer just on the outside. Paul is saying we don't want love-coated relationships. Uh, be true. Do it properly. Properly. Uh, no pretending and covering things over. Not a culture of niceness, but genuine love. And one of the outworkings of that uh, is going to be honesty and sometimes tough love. It'll be a culture where people love each other enough to confront problems within the church family and to confront the sin in ourselves and in others. Rather than just covering it over. You see, that's what Paul brings us to next in the passage. He says, verse 1, Let love be genuine, abhor or hate at what is evil, hold fast to what is good. And the words that Paul uses here are really strong. They mean hate and loathe evil and stick like glue to what God has shown us to be good might seem strange to uh, follow a command to love uh, with one to hate. But it shouldn't surprise us because we can't love rightly without hating things that harm those that we love. And we can't love rightly without holding fast to, to goods in our own lives uh, and encouraging it in the lives of others. You see, God has revealed to us in his word the way the world and our souls were designed. And to disobey that is bad for us and for others. And so real love clings to the truth and it speaks truth. I wonder if you've ever seen someone you love hurt or even destroyed by their unwise actions or relationships. I imagine nearly all of us have to a certain extent. 
And Paul is saying here that real love stands against any lie or sin or evil that destroys. And it loves enough to be willing to graciously confront it. I was really challenged uh, by what author uh, Tim Keller says about this. Uh, He writes this, it's up on the screen. Love that is afraid to confront is at least partly driven by a selfish desire to be loved ourselves. Uh, It means being afraid to do what is right if it risks us losing their affection. It makes an idol out of them. It says, I'll do anything to keep him or her loving me. This is not loving the person. It is loving the love you get from that person. True love is willing to confront or even to lose them in the short run if there's a chance to help them. That's so challenging, isn't it? Only last week, uh, a friend of mine asked to have a word and he said to me, this this could be awkward. Uh, And he was clearly quite uncomfortable about having the conversation. Uh, Thankfully, it wasn't that awkward in the end, Uh, but he cared enough about me to to mention something that could have been difficult or awkward. Uh, And that's the sort of sort of real love uh, that we're called to as a church family. Uh, But let's just um, pull into a lay-by for a minute, because there might be a question uh, that you're thinking right now, or that might have occurred to you. Uh, How can we have this genuine love, the love that isn't just a veneer on the outside, with those who we don't love? Or does the call to genuine love, uh, that love that Uh, that isn't just on the outside, mean that we can't love people unless our hearts are warm and loving towards them. I think we know that the gospel calls us to love others anyway. Uh, But how how can it not be fake? Uh, Well, the way for it not to be fake is that we repent of our unloving heart as we go about loving them. And we remember Jesus' love for us uh, when we were unlovely uh, in order to soften our hearts towards them. Uh, The gospel tells us that whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us when we were not attractive to make us attractive. Uh, He gave his life for us. The Christian leader, uh, John Stott, Uh, once said that on a Sunday uh, after his third service of the day with people talking to him all day, uh, he would occasionally, occasionally not feel much like talking to the next person who came up to him, especially if there's someone who maybe irritated him a little bit. But he wrote that at that point, he would say to himself, Christ died for this person in front of me. And without that attitude, uh, our love will either be fake, a veneer, uh, or it'll just be sporadic. It'll only be when we feel like loving that person. But if we repent and look to Christ, uh, then we'll gradually become more like him, and our hearts will soften towards others. Uh, We'll develop uh, what Paul goes on to mention next in the text, uh, affection for one another and commitment to one another. Paul writes, um, verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. 
The words for uh, brotherly affection here, uh, well, it's actually one word in the original language, uh, and uh, it describes family love. Uh, It can mean the love of a brother or a sister uh, or a parent for a child. Uh, And Paul applies it to the warm affection which should unite us as members together of God's family. Family love in healthy families is more than just friendship, isn't it? Uh, It's a commitment to one another, uh, even if we're very different to each other. Uh, And Paul is saying we're to love one another within the church family as if we're related. Uh, Because we are, we're we're members of God's family. And then next he writes literally, don't be lazy, don't be slothful. Put the effort in and be zealous in your commitment to one another. Uh, It was really great to hear uh, the other day of the the church walking group, uh, welcoming our Iranian brothers and sisters on the walk, uh, providing them with wellies and coats and, and picking them up. Because that's what we do for family, isn't it? We, we dig the, the old wellies out of the cupboard to help them. Uh, and when family are going through a hard time, uh, we're there for them. We turn up. We pray for them. Or we're willing to sit in silence with them. Or we provide a meal. Uh, and we're willing to challenge family uh, and say, I think you should think about that again, uh, or I, I don't think this is doing you any good. Paul makes it almost competitive, doesn't he, in the next verse. He says, outdo one another in showing honor. I don't think that means that uh, when we grab a tea and coffee after the service, uh, we all need to kind of bow to one another, see who can go the lowest. But honoring someone means treating them as valuable and precious, doesn't it? Uh, It means considering their needs uh, above our own needs or our own position. And a big part of honoring is taking the time to listen to someone, isn't it? So that we understand them and and so we can be considerate towards uh, their needs and their fears and their joys. Being willing to listen and give someone a voice is to honor someone and show that they matter to us. I think that's particularly important with folks from different backgrounds or or cultures uh, to us, Uh, or dare I say it, uh, with those who we could consider to be below us in some way. Uh, Just a few verses after this, Paul writes, be willing to associate with people of low position. Uh, What we consider to be be low will vary depending on our, our character and our backgrounds. But elsewhere, Paul writes, in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Someone else said to me the other day that they've been challenged from uh, this verse about their banter. We all have a bit of banter, don't we? Uh, It's good fun. Um, So let me ask you this. uh, What do you call a Scotsman in the World Cup? A referee. It's his only chance of being there. Uh, Just threw that in for Ken. Uh, But... A good joke uh, can easily go too far, can't it? Uh, and it's easy for our words to, to put others down rather than to build them up and honor them. And so we must be careful and considerate. So real love puts others first. But the next building block that, that Paul gives us uh, can seem a bit out of place at first, especially if you've heard this verse before. Uh, do you see it in verse 12? 
Paul writes, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Uh, It's a well-known verse, you've probably heard it before, but why is it here? Uh, When we read about it on its own, uh, we often think it's in the context of our struggles. But in the context here, it, it links to our love for others. Because the truth is, if we really love others, their sorrows and burdens become our sorrows and burdens, don't they? Uh, just a few weeks ago, I was, I was moved to tears by the hardship of someone in our church family, and yet the joy that they still have in the Lord in the midst of that. Uh, but loving people enough to know and share their burdens uh, is costly, and it's hard work, isn't it? Uh, it can make us despair, or it can make us feel like giving up. Sometimes we're tempted to hold people at arm's length, uh, so we're not impacted by their problems or pain. Uh, we don't want to get involved. Uh, but real love gets involved, doesn't it? And so Paul says here, get involved, uh, but don't give up. Keep going, keep persevering. And that's why this series says, remember the great hope that we have as Christians so that you can keep going. Uh, that hope is the source of our joy in difficult times. The Lord will return. Uh, and at that point, there will be no more pain or tears or crying. But in the meantime, we're going to need patience uh, and we're going to need prayerfulness uh, as we share trials with one another. But we're not to just hide away in prayer. Uh, Lastly, Paul says to us, real love results in action. Uh, It will result in prayer, uh, but it will also lead to generosity and hospitality and practical things. Uh, Do you see that in verse 13? Uh, Paul writes, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Paul is saying, put your money where your mouth is. As Christian family, uh, we're to share our homes, uh, our money, our things uh, with those in need. Paul reminds us that real love takes action. Hospitality back then uh, often meant uh, welcoming strangers who are maybe traveling and visiting the church. Are we willing to do that? Uh, How often are we welcoming those who are new to the church uh, into our homes? That's so often the time when we really uh, develop friendships, isn't it? When we welcome people into our home. Uh, Are we willing to welcome those who can't afford to invite others to their house to enjoy hospitality? Uh, Or are we we willing to invite uh, those in the church family who are struggling? Will we be willing to show hospitality to those who are very different to us. Sunday lunch is uh, often a great time for hospitality. Uh, And let me encourage you to make the most of that on a Sunday to to invite others over to your home. Uh, But let me also say, uh, don't feel that you need to put on a show or or clean the house or or cook something particularly special. Uh, Sometimes that's nice to do. Uh, But family just do life together, don't they? Uh, Whether that's uh, eating beans on toast together, Uh, doing the washing up together, uh, putting the kids to bed together. 
Uh, I think those things are particularly important as we seek to be real family uh, to those who are single within the church family uh, and to be blessed by them in turn as they become part of our families. And we must also be uh, very conscious that there are people of very different incomes in this church family. Uh, that's, that's a great blessing that we've got a real mix of folks here. That's what it means to be church together. Uh, but for example, uh, some of our uh, asylum seekers receive accommodation and foods, uh, but then they, they only have eight pounds a week for, uh, for clothes, toiletries, transport. Uh, we don't want anyone to feel left out uh, or to struggle in silence, and we must be aware of that. So we've got our six uh, building blocks for real love. I'm sure we could write more. Uh, but um, take a look uh, at that picture uh, of real love that we get in this passage. Uh, it's joyful and it's beautiful, isn't it? It's such a great picture. Uh, wouldn't it be amazing if, if that was a picture of our church family uh, this coming year? Think how, um, how completely transformative that would be, and think how attractive it would be to those who come in, uh, how much it would point them to Jesus. I'm so encouraged uh, by the love that I do see in this church family. Uh, I just had a message the other week from someone who's actually just looking into the Christian faith, uh, saying how transformative being part of this church family has been for them. Uh, and just after Christmas, I, I had a message from someone else saying that they've learned uh, what Christian love looks like being part of this church family over the last few months. Uh, so don't underestimate how radical and transformative this love can be uh, and how much it points people to Jesus. But I'm sure there will be people here who haven't felt loved. And we all know in our hearts that so often we don't love like this, do we? I said at the start, it's a battle because it means putting others above ourselves and we all find that hard. It means making sacrifices of emotion, action, money and time. And this kind of love means uh, we give someone both the truth, uh, which they might not want to hear, and we help them in need. So let me ask you, uh, as you, as you look at this list uh, up on the screen, uh, which aspects of this real love uh, do you tend to display? Uh, and which aspects challenge you the most? Which do you struggle with? And let me also ask you, uh, is there a particular Christian brother or sister in need uh, who you could show real love to today uh, or this week? Maybe the Lord's putting someone in particular on your heart. And finally, let me ask you this. Who does this, this great picture of real love remind you of? It's a picture of Jesus, isn't it? No one else has perfectly lived out this real love. Uh, it's a picture of the beautiful, amazing, selfless way that he loved and spoke and acted. Uh, his love is genuine. He spoke truth with compassion. 
He humbled himself even as the king of the universe. And he loved us to the point of death, even when we were unlovely. The Bible says this, and let me finish with this. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that love comes from you. Thank you that you have shown us what real, genuine love is. We're conscious that so often we don't love like this. We don't put others first. Uh, But we we seek this beauty. We, We want this to characterize us as a church family. And so we ask that your spirit would work in our hearts as we gaze upon Christ's sacrifice. And we pray that we would love like this more and more. In Jesus' name, amen.